I wanted to share a couple of dreams and revelations and things that the Lord has showed me over the past few years. One of the things the Lord said to me, it woke me up out of sleep early one morning, and as though there was someone speaking very loudly standing next to my bed, and it was so loud that it actually woke me up, and I looked around to see who was talking, but what it said to me was, the sum of all things is near. As I have experienced many times in the past, the Lord will show me things, say things to me. We only see those things in part. And it requires us to seek the Lord ongoing to begin to see into it more, gain insight and understanding. Because just to have experiences, revelations, dreams, and things without understanding doesn't really benefit us any. As a matter of fact, if it becomes a focal point, it could actually deceive us, mislead us and, and deceive us and become a, the focal point. When a dream, a vision, a word, that kind of thing from the Lord comes to us and we seek him for understanding, it becomes the word. And the word has substance to it. It gives us direction. It can instruct us, correct us, encourage us, whatever's needed, whatever the Lord's desire is in regards to that. And so that was one of the things that the Lord had said to me that was really significant. And over the past few years, the Lord's given me some insight and understanding about that. Mainly it pertains to the end of the age. In a mathematic problem, the sum is the, the end of the matter. It's the finish. It's the completion of the, of the issue. And in God's timetable, that's where we are. We are definitely in the very end of the age. If you look at the signs and things going on around us, it becomes evident. The ungodliness, darkness that's covering the whole earth, the delusion, the division, division is a biggie. There's nothing but division, even among professing Christians. The last count that I heard, and I don't know how accurate this is, but it's stated that there's over 40,000 denominations. And I don't doubt that because divisions happen every day. And people are split over interpretation of the scripture, desires, ambitions, things like that. Men motivated by selfish ambition wanting to build ministries and uh, gather people to themselves and things like that. Those are all divisive things. And as the scripture tells us, those things do not exist in the kingdom of God. There's no place for that. The word of God and the spirit of God brings us into unity and agreement with the Lord. And as a result of that, it brings us in unity and agreement with one another. Jesus prayed that we be one. As he and the Father are one, that we would be one also. The other thing that the Lord spoke to me, this was, I was sitting on my back porch and I had just gotten off the phone with a brother talking about spiritual things. And I was just sitting there and the Lord spoke to me. This time it wasn't verbally in my natural ears, it was in my spirit. And it was crystal clear. And the Lord said to me that nobody is on the right foundation. And when he said that to me, I knew that it was, it was not speaking pertaining to a small group of people. He was talking worldwide. In other words, what he was telling me that in the world right now, nobody is on the right foundation. And it wasn't distressing to me. It was actually encouraging because I knew, as I have experienced in the past, the Lord was going to give me understanding. And when the Lord gives us understanding, he provides us with faith 
and also the ability to walk in what he's showing us, to bear fruit. And so if that was true, that nobody's on the right foundation, we need to find out what the right foundation is so that we can be on the right foundation. But anyway, that was another thing that the Lord had said to me that was pretty significant. And over the past few years, the Lord's given me probably more insight and understanding about that than he has anything else. The next thing I wanted to share is really kind of what I was getting at is a dream that I had. This dream, I guess we could call it the white horse dream. And in the dream, the scene was like a military barracks. It was kind of a long building, kind of a, I guess they call it like a Quonset hut, kind of an armory type building. And out in front of the building, there pulled up a, a line of personnel vehicles with ranking military officers in it. And then a jeep pulled up by the front door and it had a driver in it, like he was there to pick somebody up. And one of the things that stood out to me, that jeep, the steering wheel was on the opposite side than what we're used to here in the United States. In other words, the steering wheel in the United States typically is on the left-hand side. On the Jeep, the driver and the steering wheel were on the right-hand side. And so the, the door opened up to the barracks, and out came a man, which reminded me of John Wayne. It was kind of an authoritative figure. He came out, and he, he got around and came to get in the Jeep. The Jeep was there to pick him up. And then as he came out, other military soldiers began to come out of the building and began to proceed to transportation vehicles to carry them to wherever they were going. And the John Wayne character, there was a connection with him. I could uh, relate to him as though I was uh, connected with him some way. I could sense his emotion, what he was experiencing, and what he was feeling. And so... What he did is he turned toward those officers in those vehicles that had pulled up, and he had a jacket on, so he pulled his jacket back to expose or reveal his rank to show that he was someone that could actually ask a question of those people. And, and what he said to them, he said, where are we going? And several of them at one time said, white horse. And when they said white horse, I could sense in that John Wayne character there was a sense of uh, anxiety or dread, knowing that it was on. It was kind of like if the military had a, a place that they went, and you knew if you were going there, it was on. That's where this was, the White Horse. And so I sought the Lord about that. I didn't have understanding when I first had the dream. I knew it was from the Lord because I've had many dreams that were from the Lord, and there's a knowing about it when a dream is from well, one thing is the details that you remember and another thing is that you can't get away from it it kind of sticks with you and you know in your spirit if you're used to listening and exercising your inner man you know when something's from the lord there's just an awareness or knowing about that and so i began to seek the lord for understanding about that and over a period of time the lord began to show me what that was, particularly the white horse. The one thing about the Jeep with the driver on the opposite side, I looked that up. Jeeps typically, you know, that we use in this country are on the left-hand side. This being on the right-hand side, with the Jeeps that are used in other countries, there's a lot of them that are actually on the opposite side. So that was symbolic of this thing was worldwide. It wasn't a local thing. Just like I said about 
nobody's on the right foundation and an, an awareness of knowing that this was worldwide. This white horse thing was worldwide. It wasn't a local thing. And that's what that Jeep symbolized. And the John Wayne character was a symbolic of strength or authority. That's what he represented was authority. The white horse thing, the Lord gave me a scripture through a brother that when I was sharing a dream, this came to him. So it bore witness. But in Revelation 6, it's talking about the first seal. Revelation 6, 1. This is out of the King James Bible. I like the way it says it in here. And I saw when the Lamb opened one of the seals, and I heard, as it were, the noise of thunder. One of the four beasts saying, Come and see. And I saw, and behold, a white horse, and he that sat on him had a bow, and the crown was given unto him, and he went forth conquering and to conquer. Uh, that was the first seal. That was the beginning of a process of unveiling and revealing things. And that white horse situation, it actually happened. The Roman emperor, Emperor Constantine, he was the rider on the white horse. He had aspirations of political gain. And what he did is he went to the, the church, the early church, which was pure. It was experienced in persecution, rejection by the world, and that kind of thing. They were struggling. The apostles and prophets were being uh, killed, martyred, and the church was scattered and was struggling. So he, Constantine wanted uh, some support to gain popularity and strength in his political aspirations, went to the church leaders and presented a compromise with them. If you support me, then I'll embrace and support you. In other words, I'll make your religion our religion if you embrace me. And so the leaders at that time accepted that compromise. And that brought forth the world church, the harlot, the great prostitute that it speaks of in the word. And what it did is it caused a marriage between the world and the church, which is two separate kingdoms. The church compromised. And so at that time, that's where the universal or the world church had come about through Constantine. He's the rider on the white horse and he was sent forth to conquer. And he had a vision in the sky as he literally sat on a white horse in front of his army. He had this vision, a sign and wonder in the sky. And what he seen was a, in the sun, he seen a, a cross. And, and there was some words underneath of it, and it said, in this sign, conquer. So it, it was a confirmation of that word in Revelations. And also he put the symbol of the cross on their shields as a symbol, and they went forth to conquer. And so he brought forth what was called the universal church or the world church at that time. That was the white horse. The white horse is the universal, the world church system that exists, that started right then and it has existed to this very day. And actually everything that we see today that is labeled Christian and church is a product of that. It's an offshoot of that universal church. And it has that 
as its foundation. And the symbol is the cross. That's not a Christian symbol. That's a symbol of this white horse system, this universal church, particularly the one that has a cross and then it has the, like the sun surrounding it, the outline of the sun or circle around it. That's the symbol of the universal church. You see it on, on a lot of church buildings. And even uh, people that profess to be Christians carry, they wear crosses on their body and things like that. And they even get tattoos with crosses and have them hanging in their vehicles. That's a symbol of the universal church. It's not a symbol of Christianity. The only thing that was associated with Christianity was a symbol that they used to identify one another because of persecution. And that was where they draw the little fish on the ground so that they would be able to identify one another. But as far as an outward, physical, tangible symbol, there is no tangible, physical symbol of Christianity because it's a spiritual thing. And so what Constantine did is he took something that was spiritual and he brought it into the natural. And see, that's why everything exists today is of the white horse. And really, the Constantine was an antichrist. So the spirit of the Antichrist is the foundation for this universal church, the white horse system. It's of the Antichrist because it's natural, it's worldly, it's of the world. It's not of the kingdom of God. It's actually in opposition to the kingdom of God because it presents something in the flesh and the natural. And the kingdom of God is spiritual. To enter the kingdom of God, it requires a person by the conviction of the word and by the Holy Spirit, which is an act of faith, to forsake or let go of their life in this world and be united with him in the likeness of his death, be baptized into Christ Jesus. And when a person is baptized into Christ Jesus, they come out of the world, the world and the world system in their heart, and they are united with him. They become a heavenly being, a spiritual being, not a natural being. See, all the stuff that we see today is all natural. Natural buildings, natural symbols, natural activity. It's all about natural altars and uh, natural sacrifice, uh, days. Constantine brought forth Sunday as the day of worship. That came from Constantine. That's part of the universal church. That's not the Sabbath. It is part of the universal world white horse antichrist system. The day of the sun, S-U-N, the origin and the foundation of the worship on Sunday was not S-O-N, it was S-U-N, the worship of the sun, which is a pagan worship, which it still is adhered to in almost every, quote, Christian church that exists today. That's the day of worship, and that came forth from Constantine, who operated on the foundation of the Antichrist. In the kingdom of God, the Sabbath is a condition. It's the condition of the heart. It is that we have given up our life in this world. We have ceased from our labors, which is the flesh, pursuing the world and the flesh. And we are at rest in him. Our confidence, our trust, our faith is fully and completely in him. And his part in that is to bring us to completion, to maturity, to perfection, and to provide our needs, to take care of us, to lead us and guide us into all truth, and to uh, bring us 
to the completion or the end of salvation. Salvation being a walk and not a status or position or arrival. See, in the natural religious world church system, the white horse system, salvation is presented as a an experience where we arrive, and they call it saved, status, position. And then what that does is that causes a person to begin to harden their heart to the Word of God because the Word of God wants to separate them to the Lord totally. And so when we arrive, what we begin to do is to resist the Word of God, which is what sin is. It's unbelief. And so rather than being able to come to Him with our whole heart and be separated and sanctified totally to the Lord, becoming holy, we resist the Word of God because of presumption having arrived. And that condition actually leads to the sin and the death because the hardening of the heart causes us, because of presumption, causes us to come to a place where we begin to call flesh, spirit, and spirit, flesh. And we begin to call what's of the Holy Spirit of the devil and what's of the devil of the spirit. You see that all over the place right now. That's the condition that exists. The evidence of that is that people uh, call the dealings of the Holy Spirit and the Word of God, which wants to come to separate them, to bring them to the Lord totally with their whole heart, to repent. They call that the devil. So they end up fighting the devil all the time when it's actually the Lord trying to bring them to repentance because they're in presumption and they're in the flesh and they don't know him. And so his mercy and grace, he, he sends his word, which is a sharp double-edged sword, to separate them, bring them to himself. And they resist that, calling it the devil. That's what this presumptuous religious system will accomplish and cause a person to do. To call the, what's of the Lord and the Spirit the devil. And what's of the devil, which is of the world in presumption and position, the Spirit. In Second Thessalonians 2, verse 9, The coming of the lawless one will be accompanied by the working of Satan with every kind of power, sign, and false wonder, and with every wicked deception directed against those who are perishing because they refuse the love of the truth that would have saved them. For this reason, God will send them a powerful delusion so that they will believe the lie, in order that judgment may come upon all who have disbelieved the truth and delighted in wickedness. The scene of going to war against the white horse is not a natural physical thing. It's a spiritual thing. In uh, 2 Corinthians 10, it refers to the weapons that we fight with, which are not the weapons of the world. Jesus said, if my kingdom was of this world, my servants would fight you. But my kingdom is of a different realm. It's of a different place. It's spiritual, not natural. See, the white horse system and the universal church system, it's of the world. It's of the natural. The kingdom of God is spiritual. Second Corinthians 10, by the meekness and gentleness of Christ, I appeal to you, I, Paul, who am timid when face to face with you, but bold when away. I beg you that when I come, I may not have to be as bold as I expect to be towards some people who think that we live by the standards of this world, which are natural and flesh, carnal. Uh, verse 3, for though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. Uh, verse 4, the weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. In other words, they're not carnal, they're not natural. It's not 
uh, were not violent men. That's the flesh. It says, on the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension, every lifted up thought, every false doctrine and prideful presumption that sets itself up against the true knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. And we will be ready to punish every act of disobedience once your obedience is complete. See, the going to war is not a physical thing. It's not uh, like Constantine did. Uh, bear arms and shields and go out and actually... Constantine was a murderer. He murdered his own family uh, for his own gain. He was not a Christian. They're, see, they're trying to make Constantine a Christian. He was a murderer. Murderers are not Christians. The weapons we fight with are spiritual. And the powerful weapon that we have to tear down and demolish all these things that oppose the true knowledge of God and the kingdom of God is the truth. What the truth does is it sheds light on darkness. And so if a person is sincere and humble and honest before the Lord, the truth comes and it exposes the darkness and brings conviction by the Holy Spirit so that they can repent and get loose and get free. People are held captive by this universal white horse system. They're in bondage to it. They use fear, intimidation, obligation, control, which is demonic. All control is demonic. God doesn't control us. It's whosoever will. He's not forceful. But what he does is he sends men with the truth that have been prepared, tested, tried, and proven, and he sends them forth to speak the truth. And that truth is powerful. The Word of God is living and it's active. It's sharper than any double-edged sword. In other words, it's much sharper than a natural sword. It's able to divide the soul and the spirit, the flesh and spirit, and even to the joints and marrow, the depth of the truth to, to expose and to separate is to the deepest regions of our being. And it judges the thoughts and the attitudes of our heart so that we can repent and be convicted by the word and by the truth so that we can repent and get loose from sin and we can get free and from the obligation and the bondage and the control of men and come to the Lord as a disciple of Jesus Christ and so that the Holy Spirit can lead and guide us into all truth. He sends his word to heal us. The system that exists today is full of the world. It's nothing but division. It's full of flesh and selfish ambition. Self is exalted in the church today. Violent men that operate out of their own ambitions and desires to build natural kingdoms have taken people captive. That's the white horse system. And the Lord is now coming forth with his word and the truth of the pure gospel, the message of faith and the message of the cross to deliver his people that are held captive right now. I have other things I could share about this uh, to confirm the, some of the statements that we have made pertaining to Constantine, the things that he had brought forth that are still in existence and held firmly to by the existing religious system. Uh, the, the worship on Sunday, it was the day of the sun. It was a pagan worship day. 
where they worship the sun on Sunday and, and also the uh, temple worship. They initiated that. Uh, he took something that was spiritual and he brought it into the natural. And there was many, many other things that he had brought forth. Constantine fulfilled Revelation 6, the first seal opened up. He was the rider on the white horse. He fulfilled that scripture. That was the first seal that opened. And at that point in time, once that seal opened, everything began to go in a different direction. The church and world becoming one from the start of the first church, which was pure, to the coming forth as the harlot. The world and the church were flowing together with paganism all intertwined in, in their activities. And that came forth from Constantine, who operated on the foundation of the Antichrist. I have more to say about this. If anybody uh, wants to reach out and communicate with me, may the Lord give you ears to hear and eyes to see and a heart of repentance so that you can come to know him. Thank you.